All right. Happy Sunday to you. And congratulations to all of you teachers out there and all of you students. Way to go. You made it through the year. It's awesome. I know it was crazy. Man, when I think back to the beginning of the school year and how much we just had no idea what was going on, it's just crazy. And for you seniors in particular, wow. Nice job. You made it. Congratulations. Uh, we are so proud of you. Um, I want to stop and just pray for you and just pray for your, you know, life as you move forward. We celebrate that and we want to bless you and send you to go uh, out into the world. So God, thank you uh, for our seniors. Thank you for all the ways that um, you have been at work in their lives uh, over these past years, the ways that they have learned uh, and grown as humans. Uh, and we uh, are grateful that we've had uh, so many a part of our church uh, here as well. And we send them out um, with you to go into the world and to be world changers, uh, to be people who would make a difference uh, in their world because of the work that you've done in their uh, lives, uh, both in school as well as here in church. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Well, hey, um, it has been a crazy year for all of us. It's been a challenging year for all of us. And when I think about that, I just want to say congratulations to all of you as well. If you've made it through another year, a crazy year, albeit. And, uh, you know, that's been true for me uh, as well. You know, when you think about trying to plant a church in the midst of a pandemic, they just don't write a manual for these things. I wish that they did, but they don't. Maybe we'll write that manual someday, Sandy. We can do that uh, for the next set of uh, church planters that go through a, a pandemic. But, you know, uh, pandemic or not, we all face challenges. There are challenges in life. Um, we experience pressure in life that makes life challenging. And when I think about that, there's pressure for us to perform at work or maybe at school. There's pressure for us to raise perfect children or maybe to be a perfect child. And then there's external pressure and there's internal pressure that come at us. So when I think about church planting and this past year, and I think about the pressures that I face, I have this enormous internal pressure because I long to see people connect with Jesus. So I have this internal pressure in me that just is always there. But then we also have these external pressures that come on us. So when I think about this church planting thing, Sandy and I signed a, an agreement with the Covenant Church in January of 2020. And that agreement said that the Covenant Church would help us financially for three years to plant this church. It's about halfway through that three-year commitment. And there's some pressure that I kind of feel. <laughs> we got to get this thing going. Now, there is some good news in that. And that's, you know, when we looked at our budget uh, a week ago, I realized, hey, we actually have about half of our income coming in that we need to make this thing a reality. So. We're about halfway through. We've got about half of our income coming in. Like We're on the right track, but there's still a lot to go. Uh, and when you think about your life, there are all sorts of pressures in your life. There are challenges in your life. Whether there's a pandemic or not, there are challenges in your life. And so I want you to think about what's the biggest challenge? What's that biggest pressure point in your life that you feel today? Well, the good news is that over the course of the next eight weeks, we are going to be 
in the book of Colossians. It's a letter written to a young, brand new church. We're a brand new church. This is fantastic. And it's written to a group of people that are trying to figure out what does it look like to follow Jesus in this world where there are pressures to abandon your faith. As a community, as individuals, there are pressures that come down on us that try to convince us that it's not worth following Jesus or it's not worth it to plant a new church. And this community was facing some of those same things, some of those same pressures. So we get to look at that and we'll try to make connections to our own story here along the way and see where there's similarities and where there's some differences. So the church in Colossae was started by a guy named Epaphras. He's a native of Colossae, and he was more than likely converted to Christianity when he was visiting Ephesus and Paul was doing his ministry there. So Paul is a pretty prominent figure in the New Testament. He writes a number of the books in the New Testament, including most likely the book of Colossians. So it's also Ephesus is kind of the major commerce center of uh, the region of Asia Minor. It's about four days walk uh, from Colossae. It's a little bit of a smaller town. It's on the Lycus River where two rivers meet together. See these connections? And uh, it's known for, for producing scarlet dyed wool. And the church is most likely mostly Gentiles, uh, which would be non-Jews. But there was a fairly sizable Jewish population in, in the region. So this letter is written by Paul, who was in prison at the time, likely for his proclamation or telling others about the risen Lord. And so it's written to this new church community from this guy, Epaphras, who had probably recently visited Paul and reported all the great things that were going on in the church at Colossae. And then he also mentions a couple of those pressure points that they're experiencing. And it's delivered by two people, Tychicus, one, who probably read the letter to them, and Onesimus, who we'll see later on uh, as we go through the book. So let's read it out loud together. We're going to go... Um, Colossians 1, verses 1 through 14 today, it starts off with this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. This is kind of a standard letter greeting that we would see in our letters. Of course, we probably would sign things at the end of the letter. We might include some of our credentials if we're writing to somebody that we don't know, which in this case, Paul has never been to Colossae. So he starts off and lets them know, hey, this is Paul writing to you. I'm an apostle. That means I'm sent. I'm sent by God. I'm by the will of God. So this isn't my thing. This isn't some other human thing. This is God's will that I would send this to you. So he's kind of establishing some of his credentials for these people. And then he identifies two God's holy people in Colossae. So he's calling them faithful brothers and sisters. And I love this because he's underscoring that Paul's understanding of the church is that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a family unit. And he's calling them holy because they are literally set apart from the world for God. And that grace and peace 
greeting carries a ton of meaning. That grace is a gift from God. And that peace conjures up this Hebrew idea, which they would have been familiar with. They probably would have studied about this, even though they were Gentiles. This idea of peace. And that idea of peace that they had was so much more than what we have. And when we think about peace, we think about sort of this absence of conflict. You know, no war. But for the Hebrews and for this early church, when they heard grace and peace, they would have heard this shalom word, this peace that extends out into this idea of human flourishing, goodness that comes. So he's telling them these, he's greeting them with this nice greeting. He continues on to say, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So what I love about this section is that it starts off with we. Paul has this, again, this sense of family. We, there's this communal aspect to this. He's including them in the family, but he's also writing with a group of people. And he's writing to them because he's encouraged about these things that he's heard from Epaphras. Three things stand out. Their faith in Jesus, their love for all of God's people, and then their hope that they have in heaven. These things are to be thankful for as Paul thinks about this church. And friends, I'm encouraged by this. I think we have these things in our church too. I see faith in our church. I see faith springing up in people's lives. I see Love. I see how you love people. Last week we had a family say, come here and visit. And they said, I've never felt so welcome in a church. We're loving people. And then I think about the fact that we have our hope in heaven as we've gone through this past year. Friends, we can be encouraged by these things as well. Paul's also encouraged by the gospel. The fact that the gospel is bearing fruit. That word gospel is a word uh, that really means proclamation or heralding or telling others. So that word for gospel, that proclamation would be sort of when a new king would come in and take over a territory, they would send out people to gospel to herald or proclaim that a new king had come. And that they should celebrate and worship this new king. So similarly, the early Christians picked up on this word. And they said, we're going to gospel. We're going to tell. We're going to proclaim, herald that there's a new king. And he is to be worshipped. He's celebrating. That's happening throughout the world. As, just as it has among this new church in Colossae. And he's excited because Epaphras has done that. I hope that wasn't anything that I needed. Uh, 
he's celebrating that Epaphras is doing this work. And when I think about that, he's celebrating that because Paul's one person. Paul can't get out to all these places. So he has sent Epaphras out to do the work where he cannot do the work. And Epaphras is doing that well. He's announcing God's grace, God's free gift to these people in Colossae. And he's encouraged by that because Paul could never get there himself. Especially because he's in prison. And so, as others are coming to understand that, we know that too, the people in Colossae are also doing that. They're getting out and they're sharing this good news with their friends. And it says more and more people are coming to hear the good news. They're gospeling. They're sharing that good news. And that's why they're growing. The gospel is growing among them and around the world. And I think this is a good reminder for us as we think about we're starting this new church. We are gospeling. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus. So as we as individuals come to understand more and more of who God is, we begin to share that love with others. We tell others about that. We gospel, we proclaim that Jesus is love. He cares about people. And as we do that, the church grows. God's kingdom grows and expands and more and more people hear about that grace, that free gift, and that peace, that shalom that he's sharing about at the beginning. It's good news. It's a reminder that we get to take part in that as a church, individually and corporately as a group. See, the message, the gospel message, always moves through people. People who are willing to tell others about it. And the gospel is spreading around the world today because people are sharing the gospel. The gospel is growing. More and more people are following Jesus around the world and we, can be, we too can be encouraged by that. I want you to be encouraged by that. And it's with that gratefulness in mind that the gospel is bearing fruit in their community and around the world that Paul continues on. He says, for this reason in verse 9, since, we, since the day we've heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he lives, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So this is Paul's prayer for the people. He prays that they will have the knowledge of God's will, God's desires for them, so that they can live a life that's worthy of the Lord. And it's something that we can all aspire to as well, that we would live a life that's worthy of the Lord, both individually and as a community, that our church, Rosa Parks here, the broader Crossview community would live in such a way that we are pleasing the Lord. And when they do this, they bear fruit. And then it says that they grow in the knowledge of God again. And this is a mini picture of what the Christian life and growth should look like. I want you to picture a spiral. 
And what happens is that as we grow in our understanding of what God wants, and we begin to bear fruit by doing good works, then we begin to grow in our knowledge of God. And it, it begins to spiral, and I imagine it spiraling up towards the Lord. As we bear fruit, as we do the things that we learn about God, we grow in a deeper understanding of God, and that turns it back around, and we grow more in our understanding of God. We do it again. We grow in our understanding of God. We do it again, and that is the, it's a picture of the Christian life and growth and how we are to live as Christians. And I imagine that we are spiraling up towards God. But if we can spiral up towards God, I think we also too can spiral away from God when we choose to reject God, when we choose not to seek understanding about him. But this is a prayer of thanks because the word that he's hearing from the Colossians is that they are growing in their faith towards Jesus and he wants to encourage that. And I love that Paul notes that as we do this, what happens as we grow, as we spiral around Jesus, growing in our knowledge, following him and doing those things, what happens is that we are strengthened. We are strengthened and we get endurance and the patience to have, that we need to face the pressures in this world. And the funny thing about pressure is that it can do one of two things. It can help us. You think about the stress in your life. It can help us to grow. So we don't want to abandon the pressure. We want to live in the pressure, but we want to seek God in that. Because, of course, the flip side is also true. In the pressure, it can cause us to abandon things and lose hope and get depressed. And so the, the key that the Colossians have in their faith here is that they're putting their trust in God. They're, they're putting their focus on Jesus. Jesus, God, is the center of their world. And Paul's grateful that they have put Jesus at the center of their understanding. And then he gives them reasons to be thankful for this. He uses Old Testament imagery and history to help them to understand this. In verse 12, it says that he says that they're qualified for the inheritance. And this inheritance that they're talking about alludes to the promise that God had for the Egyptian or for the Israelites when they were in Egypt, that they would get a promised land. They were still in captivity. God promised them a land that he would give them. And so it is for us that we can look forward to the kingdom of light that God promises us if we follow Jesus. And then in verses 13 and 14, he goes on and reminds them of the exodus, the, rex, the rescue operation that, that God did. That just as God rescued Israel out of the dark power of Egypt and the oppression that they were experiencing there, so too God rescues us out of this world where the prince of darkness, Satan, puts pressure on us to walk away and to not follow Jesus. And it brings us into the kingdom of the Son, into redemption, into forgiveness. Those are good things that we want. And if you're here today, if you're online today, I want to encourage you because you're taking steps. You're already taking steps towards Jesus. You're here listening to the message. You're here listening to the word. You're worshiping God. Each week we share a message about Jesus so that we can deepen our understanding of who Jesus is, of who God is. And as we learn about who Jesus is, we invite you to take a next step to live into that, to bear fruit, 
because that's our model that we have for Christian growth and life. We listen to hear what Jesus has to say to us, and we live into that. We grow into that. So if you're here, you're already on the journey. Nice job. Way to go. I, don't, I want to thank God for you, for you all that are worshiping with us today. And I want to encourage you to bear good fruit, to live into that. And what I want to invite you into today is just a couple things. Number one, put Jesus at the center of your life. Grow in your understanding of who God is. Read your Bible. In fact, during the season, we want to invite you to join us in reading the book of Colossians. This week, pick up the book of Colossians and read the first chapter. Read the first chapter as many times as you can this week so you can follow along with us. If you want to keep going, you can do that too. You can read the book of Colossians every day as many times as you want. You are free to read as much as you want. As we grow in our understanding of who God is, and there's a lot in the book of Colossians about who Jesus is, we can grow in our understanding of what God wants for us. I also want to encourage you, you can join a small group. It's a great time to jump in, to learn more. As you jump into a small group, you read it with other people and they have different perspectives and you're like, oh man, I never thought about that. I, I mean, I, when I jump into my small group, I'm constantly learning from my peers. I might be the pastor, but I love the discussion and the ways that I learn from you all when I study scripture. And in fact, this week, I'm excited because I'm starting up a new men's group. Uh, so we're going to be starting up on Tuesday night. I got a couple people that are going to join us that aren't even a part of our church, so I'm excited about that. Um, reading the Bible together is a great way for us to grow in our understanding of who Jesus is, who God is, and what he wants uh, us to do. And then as you learn about what God wants from you, live it out. Do it. Try it. And then here's my second one. If you're already in the growth spiral, if you're already learning about who Jesus is, who God is, and you're living into that, trying, trying it out, you know, doing the things, bearing the fruit that God has for you, help someone else out. Bring somebody else along with you that can also grow in their knowledge of who God is. Share it with someone else like the Colossians were. The church in Colossians grew because people were sharing what they had learned about God with their friends. They were willing to be awkward sometimes. They were willing to share it with their friends. And it helped people to grow and to experience redemption and forgiveness and that grace and peace that Paul talked about. So I want to encourage you, we are on the path. Let's keep doing it. And I know for me, way back a long time ago, when I was about my daughter's age, 13, uh, I worked at a summer camp. And that summer changed my life. I got to experience a community of people that were encouraging me to learn about God and encouraging me to live it out. And as I did that, Something changed so that when I came back that fall, I jumped into my youth group in a new way. And I remember one night in particular illustrates this really well. I had a ton of homework that night. And in the past, I maybe would have been tempted to stay home and do my homework. Makes sense. But because of that experience that summer, 
I said, no, I am committed to this community because they helped me grow in my understanding of Jesus and they helped me to live it out. And I went to youth group. And I'll tell you, I don't remember anything in particular about that night. But here's what I do remember. Over the course of time, that youth group became my church community that helped me to grow in my understanding of who Jesus was. They helped me to put into practice the things that God was inviting me to do. And what happened is that when the pressure came, and it did come, my senior year in particular, when my mom got breast cancer, when my youth pastor and a friend both died in a plane accident, the pressure came. And what happened was that I had my church community. That youth group community that had walked through all those seasons had taught me all of those things about Jesus. So that when the pressure came, I didn't abandon my faith, I pressed into my faith. And so I want to encourage you, we are doing that. We want to do that as a Rosa Parks community here, as a Crossview community here in this community. We want to help people grow in their understanding of who Jesus is, invite people to join us into that, so that when the pressure comes, we're not tempted to abandon our faith. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word to the early church in Colossae. Thank you for Paul and Epaphras and the work that they did in sharing the good news. Thank you that we have this letter today, the many people who have done the work to preserve this letter so that we can read it today and be encouraged by it. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to be a community like the early church in Colossae, to follow you as we live out our lives. Not to give in to the pressure, but to encourage one another to continue following you. Amen.